You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, good morning, everyone. I know you, you all came here for one reason. You wanted to answer the question, why in the world would anyone want to be a pastor? I mean, you think about it, it's, a, it's not a trivial question, actually. It's, it's a, it really took a lot of prayer and thought. It was something I really ch- was challenged by and actually resisted, because really it makes no sense at all on the surface to give up everything else for this, and, and it's exciting. Um, you know, I, I know that each and every single person has been called to an arena within the kingdom where you're going to work and you're going to prosper. And sometimes we're pulled for very, very obviously. But a lot, oftentimes, it's usually just like an ache in the pit of your stomach. And it just won't go away and it refuses to be ignored. And when, you're, when you ignore it, it leaves you with a really unsettled heart and you're, you're fighting it and you have this sense of discontent, almost physical illness, until you finally say yes to that calling. So today we're going to celebrate the work of Christ in everyone. Because all of us have had the experience of the gentle shaping of the clay and a few of us it's been a hammer and chisel against marble. But... <laughs> But all of us that move in obedience with Christ have seen amazing transformations. All of us that move in Christ have seen our personalities change, our worldviews change, and it all stems from the power of Jesus. And so we're really celebrating that in everyone. This today is, I appreciate you're celebrating my milestone, my, my place in the road. But every one of you are on the same road at different places in the road. Some far ahead, some behind, some catching up, some running away from me like crazy. It's just a joyful day because this is a time for us to reevaluate how Christ is working in us. You know, there's a number of markers on the road for me I, I, uh, that convinced me. This, it was, but I really want to thank so many of you that were there. there. Virtually everyone in this room had an impact on where I walk in this. Some of you had no clue that the Holy Spirit was working on you. But as I look back, I can clearly see where each face in the room has had an impact on whether it be my teaching me to become a little more humble, I was a little bit arrogant, how to get some, how to get me sober, some, how to do all these other things. You know, the other part is I've seen you guys changed. I've seen Rick change in the last five years dramatically. Amen. Actually, that was his wife saying that. <laughs> but, but for me, early on, there was one verse that really stood out. I remember I was really challenged by this. I go, you know, I was 61 when I was deciding whether I should not make this move. And I thought, boy, oh boy, this is crazy. And I read one verse in particular, and it stopped me in my tracks. It literally took the breath away from me. I, had, I looked at that, and I, it got emotional. I said, this is the most powerful verse in the Bible about why would someone want to preach. And it really captured me. I consider this my personal gift from God. Uh, it's a constant reminder of my purpose and my transformation. And I have a feeling by looking at your eyes, it's already up there. It's 2 Corinthians 4. 
in 13 through 15, um, it says, this, what this is, is Paul is explaining to the Corinthians why he has to do what he has to do. Why he's so compelled to continue to do what he's doing. And he can't stop for anything. And he says, having, been, having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Christ, Lord Jesus, will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the thank, giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. I really fell on the verse 15. I gave you the extra ones for a little context. Verse 15 really got me. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. There are three things I saw very clearly here, and it just jumped out at me. I saw grace being multiplied. Grace being multiplied more and more and more, just multiplying and multiplying through his preaching. I saw people moving to a heart of thanksgiving. And then I saw all for the glory of God. And this was a deciding point for me. By preaching, grace is multiplied to more and more people. Now, we often have this kind of nebulous, odd, mysterious, what's grace? Because it, it seems to apply to everything. Everybody goes, oh, it's grace. Grace, in my definition, is the manifest love of God. And anywhere God's love manifests, it manifests with power. So it's God's love manifests with power. That's grace. Whether it's the grace of your salvation, it's the grace of your healing, if it's the grace of your compassion, it, it, all of them. The grace of revelation, they're all expressions of God's love and it always is associated with power. When someone prays, grace is released. You know, it's just multiplying God's love to be manifest in people's lives that they can feel it and know that God loves them. That's a lifetime work all by itself. I'm done. I don't need the rest of the verse. Thanks, Paul. But then it goes further and he talks about, you know, I should have mentioned this. Uh, Peter, by the way, opens both of his letters. I, I, made, I got an example of this. It says, to those who receive a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord. Amen. You may have looked at that little introduction and blew right through it when you read the, the first and second Peter. But he specifically talks about the multiplication of grace. Because you see, God's love is abounding. But what's really, really great about God is we know that he loves the whole world, but does he love each individual at that same level? See, I always thought he loved the whole world, but I don't know if he liked me. You know, you have that. But here's the, the weird thing about, about the arithmetic of heaven. The same number, if you want to give it about volume, of love that he gives for everyone, he goes to everyone. And he does the same thing with grace. So if you preach grace, you give the good word the news of Jesus Christ, you give the good word, it's not diluted by the crowd because each person gets a full measure of that grace as you do it. So this multiplication of grace is a powerful, powerful thing. You know, 
I've oftentimes said that grace is the currency of heaven. Because when you look at the parables, you see different parables where each person, they have a, servants all get a measure of gold. And the entire story is about how they multiply that gold. And those that multiply the gold are called good and faithful servants. But those that don't are called wicked and lazy. When God gives us a measure of grace, we must multiply it. And so we don't want to be wicked or lazy. I have both of them, so. <laughs> but, you know, I want you to give me, probably the best example of this one is when, when uh, Peter and John, they're walking toward the temple. And they're coming up and they see a, a, a beggar there, there at one of the entrances. The entrance name was beautiful. And he looks at them and he's expecting them to give, to give him some money. And they said, silver and gold, I have none. Because but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter had grace, which was more valuable than the silver and gold that could go into his coffer. This is what gets multiplied when we preach. I'll tell you, just, just being in the business to splatter some love on, of God on people, that'd be, that, 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 there's nothing better than that. And you see the change in people when they recognize it's happened. But then that moves a person when they receive that grace to a heart of thanksgiving. How many, I know there's everybody, truly wish we had a thankful heart and truly wish that we always walked in a positive attitude. And we do it from time to time. We're thankful when someone gives us a gift. We're thankful when it's Thanksgiving. But We'd how many would love to have that as a lifestyle? A lifestyle of always being thankful, always, always having a thankful heart, fully content. You know, I, when you read in the book of Philippians, uh, in chapter 4, there's a famous verse. We all see it many, many times. It's chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. This really, I think, gives the most perfect picture of what a thankful heart is all about. As we read it, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The core of all of that was thanksgiving. The heart of thanksgiving and prayers. Thanksgiving and our hearts being lifted up to the Lord. That gives us our rejoice. We rejoice and rejoice in thanksgiving. We pour out our spirit. We know that the Lord is near. That the Lord is at hand. That the heart of thanksgiving gives us a result of peace that guards our heart. That guards our mind. How would you like to have a peace that's beyond any explanation, constantly guarding your heart from tension, from fear, from anxiety, guarding your mind from thinking, this will never work, this doesn't happen. But all the anxiety we get, it's guarded through our thanksgiving in prayer and supplication, time with the Lord. 
Thanksgiving that converts us and transforms us to this kind of a, a heart like this. I mean, a, the, this kind of peace that pr protects and guards us. Now, don't get me wrong. This does not change the world, but it sure changed the seat we watch it from. Because we have this in us that when all the chaos is happening, and I don't like to bring it up because it just happened, but with a hurricane, we're like the eye of the, we're like in the eye. That the whole world is just swirling around us, but we're sitting in the eye in the calm of that storm. We know the storm is happening, but we have the peace of God in us. That's, there's something about that that is so fruitful, that is so powerful, that I can't describe it. You get a peace that you cannot articulate. And it's, it's, it's a, a life of Christ that is amazing. So with preaching, you give the good word, the good news, you're multiplying grace. Now you see someone's heart turned to a thanksgiving heart, a, a person who's filled with peace and love and joy of the Lord. And then it moves from there. It's, it's all glorifies the Lord. We see the glorification of the Father in this. God is glorified. That's a motivation that's unbelievable. Because what happens is you have a heart that moves from thanksgiving to giving glory and praise to God. So you're, you're expanding it there, but you're doing it in your own life. Do you, you realize that there's only one, there's one place in the entire Bible where we see Jesus saying that he is, has unbridled joy and happiness. And it's when he sent out 70 of the disciples and told them to share the kingdom. And they all go out to different villages. And then when they come back, they're explaining what happened. And at that point, it says, Jesus, in most of the Bible just says, great joy. Jesus was filled with great joy. That great joy was like leaping and bounding and dancing. It's the kind of joy that's usually reserved for a special event like a birth or a wedding or something like that. And it's, we would normally call it bouncing off the walls joy. <laughs> That's the joy he gets by seeing one of his children move from a heart of desperation to a thankful heart filled with peace and joy that gives him praise and glory. And this is all comes from the good news. The good news is Jesus. Yes. And so this... How tough is this job? I mean, that's all I've got to do. Because I know that every single one when you preach is going to accept it. <laughs> you know, really, if, if one person is changed, I've had a successful career. If one person moves from desperation to just calm, I've had a, sex, I've had a successful career. I've had a successful career because I have a wife that no longer is ashamed of her husband because of his lifestyle. I have a, I have a I have family here that can tell you that it was, you're seeing a good side of me. <laughs> so, and that old style's dead. That's the greatest of the news. Yes, that's right. But the Holy Spirit's alive. I wrote down, you know, every once in a while you have to sit down and say, okay, you define all these things, you talk about all these things, define one of them. 
And so I wrote down what I consider the good news as the Lord presented it to me. And so this is how I wrote it down. The gospel announces to me that in, that in Jesus Christ, God has already made a decision about me. It announces that my existence has already been invaded and brought under the sovereign rule of God's grace in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It announces that the kingdom of God has overtaken me in Christ and that my destiny has taken hold of, been taken hold of by Christ and been determined by his crucifixion. Therefore, the gospel challenges me to appropriate the decision which God has already made about me in Christ. It challenges me to cast my lot with Christ and share in the history of Christ who has given himself in the sacrifice to be my savior. I'm not saved by my own faith or, or my own decision. Instead, what saves me is the obedience of Christ upon whom I am called to place all of my reliance and faith. For it is his obedience which saves me and it is through Christ, it is Christ through his spirit who compels me to share in his obedience. Thus my decision lives completely upon his decision for me. My faith is my reliance upon his faithfulness and a sharing of his faith. The good news is Jesus. And the good news is he's already done everything. He invites you to join with him in love. I want you to notice I don't talk about sin, didn't talk about hell, don't talk about what a rotten person somebody is or how much better they used to be. It's not about that. It's all about Jesus and the love of Jesus. That's what, that's what the good news is. It's not about what your lifestyle is right this minute. It's not about Republicans, Democrats. It's not about old, young. It's not about rich or poor. It's about Jesus. And I hope you see what I'm talking about. Because it's already been done. Jesus has already come. The kingdom has come. Jesus already died on the cross. He's risen. And he's ascended into heaven. And he lives and reigns from the right hand of the Father for you and for us. And so your, your decision is simply simple. Do I tag along? Because the move of God is going to happen. And it's like, you want to be on this bus or you want to be under it? And so, it's, and so it's, it's it, you know, I thought I had to do all this stuff to come to Christ. I sat in these chairs for a couple of years and just sat there and, oh, I'm not born again yet. Because, uh, you know, I don't know this and I don't know that. And, you know, don't know the words to oceans. I mean, <laughs> that's an inside joke about Christian music. For a while there, everywhere you went, oceans was playing. But, <laughs> but uh, really just coming to Christ was saying, I've got to give up on the philosophies. I have to give up on the theology in a way. And just come to the person. Yes. Yes. And when you meet the person and let that experience happen, then the theology starts to fall in place. You don't train to learn to be a Christian. You, learn, you accept your role in God's life that he's already placed for you and he teaches you the rest. He'll redeem you. He'll take things off of you that you couldn't take off on your own. So I'm going to let you understand what's happening right now is the Holy Spirit's moving on everybody. We talked about how the Holy Spirit has a call for everyone.
Some of us are being moved right now in the Holy Spirit. We know there's something going on in us right now. There's something that has happened in this room with the Holy Spirit, and it's moving in us. And I'm going to invite you to let that nudge move to something more. If he's asking you to repent and you're, you've been a Christian, you've just been sitting on it, get up. If you've never been a Christian before, you never, never ask for the Holy Spirit to be part of your life. Make Jesus a part of your life through him. Now's a good time. Got a new guy up here. He won't yell at you if you do it wrong because I don't know what the right way is. <laughs> so, so the worship team's going to be gathering here. And as you ponder this, I want you to really take a moment and let your heart really sink in. What it means. That's why I preach. That's why today I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard. So I'm going to pray real quick here. Holy Spirit, come. We're asking that this is your moment. You're the star of this show today, Holy Spirit. Make your will known. Make your heart known. Touch each and every one of us today in a way you've never touched us before. Let us see the dream that you have for us. Let us see how each of us can actually be the answer to someone else's prayer. Let us move in your life in the fullness of the love, compassion, the justice and truth, and the eternity that touches the tip of our tongue when we speak your word. We just thank you, Jesus. Because of you, our lives are made complete that have been fallen. That if we have made, of all the decisions we have made that have, that have corrupted us, that have harmed our families, and we say, Jesus, that he lifts off shame, he lifts off regret, he lifts off all of it and brings the joy of a thankful heart into your presence. We praise you, Jesus, and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.